Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad that you have joined us and we welcome you into this part of the service, the sharing of the word of God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is very true. So we're going to hear the word of God today. And God, I know, will speak because that's what he loves to do. He loves to share with us his heart towards his children. And I pray today that you would be blessed because I know that God wants to bless you no matter what you're going through in life. No matter what circumstances are, it doesn't make any difference. God is God, and he is over all, and he's in all. And so he will help us in our time of need. His word tells us so. He promises never to leave us nor uh, forsake us or abandon us. He never walks away from us is what that word means. And so he's here now. He's with you. Those of you who are watching this particular broadcast, I pray today the word of God would powerfully pierce your heart, touch you because the word has been given to edify us, to encourage us, to correct us, and also to obviously we want to align our lives with the Word of God. So let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege of coming together. And Father, what a privilege it is to share the Word of God. It is so wonderful that, Lord, we have the privilege to come together under the banner of Jesus and exalt His holy name. And we thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. And Father, we know that that was your plan from the beginning of what we know to be time. And we know, Lord, today that we can come into a relationship with you as we humble our hearts and recognize our need and ask Jesus to come into our lives. And I pray today, even to begin with, here in this church or someone watching this particular telecast, that if you don't know Jesus, the day would be the day that you bow your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and my Savior because I know, Lord, that you went to the cross for my sins and you took my sins upon, upon your, your very self, Lord. And we know you bore them at Calvary. We pray today, Father, every person watching this, that by the power of your Spirit, they'd be set free. Those things that kind of hang around, those things that continue to to raise their, their, their heads and try to usurp your place in our lives, Lord, we ask you to set us free. Because we know, Lord, if the Son sets us free, we shall be free indeed. And we pray today, Father, all over this nation that people will be set free. We know, Lord, that we're in a pandemic. And we know, Lord, today that there are many things that are happening we've never experienced before. Many of us in our lifetime. And we know, Lord, that things can happen all of a sudden. But we know, Lord, who you are. And so, Lord, as we go through circumstances in life that, Lord, we have no idea what the outcome will be, that we would put our trust in Jesus. And things can certainly turn on a dime, the old expression is. And we know, Lord, today there's no guarantees, except as we put our faith in Jesus, we know that we're headed to heaven. And we pray today, Father, that every person watching this in this church would have that peace that passes all understanding. That, Lord, as we make peace with you and we make peace with others, that, Lord, we know that we can go through the adversities, through the trials and the tribulations, through the persecutions, through the things, Lord, that, that we know that can really shake us at our very foundation if Jesus Christ was not Lord of our lives. So right now, Lord, we openly ask you 
to be Lord of our each and of our lives. Lord of this church. Lord of the body of Christ. You are. But come, Lord, and take your rightful place in our hearts. And take your rightful place, Lord, in people's hearts today that are walking without hope. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would impart hope to their hearts because you've revealed Jesus to their hearts. And they recognize the dire need of knowing Jesus Christ. And without you, Lord, that we're totally, totally lost. Father, do that today. Touch us. Speak to us. Lord, we need a word, Lord. And we ask you today to do those things, what we know are dire on your heart. So speak. Let me get out of the way and let your word, your truth go forth. And we'll praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We're going to look at here something. I, I, I just want to mention what the title of this message is. And please don't cut things off. And y'all here in the, in the congregation, don't shut me out when I tell you what the title of this message is. And that is how to develop patience in your life. Oh. But you know, patients actually are long-suffering, which the two I'm going to use inter interchangeably here. I'm explaining the difference between the two are actually a fruit of the Spirit. And we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about joy and we talked about peace. And today we're going to talk about patience. And I believe, but I'm not going to certainly come up here and say uh, automatically that everybody in here needs patience, but maybe obviously you're saying, yes, we do. I want to share with you how do you obviously develop patience in your life? And that's something I think we all need. It's a fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. And actually, when you're walking in the Spirit, these fruit will take place. All of them, love and joy and peace and long-suffering and self-control and kindness, meekness. All these things are part of walking in the Spirit. We talked about how do you walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. you got to learn how to walk in the Spirit. We're in a dire time of history, and we know that obviously the enemy is working hard to try to take God's children out. At least he can't have us permanently, right? But he can kind of get us off course and get us distracted from what God has called us to do. So we'll look at it. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. We read it last couple of weeks. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness. <clears throat> Gentleness, and self-control, against such things there is no law. All these things, obviously, are part of, of the fruit of the Spirit. I want to grow in that. I want to share with you today. It is simple, and it is foundational as far as our walk with Christ. But I want to read a little story with you as we begin here this morning. With this uh, little joke, obviously, I've looked at here. I pulled these from different sources when I put my sermon together, of course. And this story goes like this. A man and his wife are awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning by a loud pounding on the door. The man gets up and goes to the door where a drunken, drunken stranger is standing in a pouring rain asking for a push. Are you crazy, says the husband? It's three o'clock in the morning and he slams the door and returns to bed. What was it? His asked his wife and he says, just a drunken stranger asking for a push. Did you help him? She asked. No, I didn't help him. It's three o'clock in the morning and raining outside. Well, you sure have a short memory, says the, the wife. Can't you remember about 
three months ago when we broke down on holiday and those two guys helped us. I think you should help him. So reluctantly, the man gets dressed and goes out into the pouring rain and calls out into the dark. Hello, are you still out there? Yes, comes the answer. Do you still want to push? Calls out the husband. Yes, please, comes the reply from the dark. Where are you? Asks the husband. Over here on the swing, the drunk replies. Now, this requires patience, okay? Because somebody has pushed your buttons. And we know, obviously, how we would respond, don't we? That's why we chuckled. It's because we know sometimes that patience eludes us. That we don't grasp it. And it's not a part of our lives, you see. You think about it. So we've looked at this particular scripture. And we looked at the first three sections, which were love, joy, and peace. Haven't looked at love yet. We will. And then all the second part of this scripture actually is about relationships with others and patience, kindness, and goodness. And the third there of the graces actually come under the general conduct of the believer that are led by the Holy Spirit. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control here. So today we look here at patience or long-suffering. And the first thing I want to talk about is obviously the difficulty of patience. Because patience is difficult to develop and maintain in our lives. So why is that? I believe there's several reasons for that. First of all, is developing patience is difficult because it goes against our basic human nature. It just does, doesn't it? Patience is not a part of, obviously, just who we are, isn't it? When a baby wakes up in the middle of the night and is hungry, or its diaper's wet, it doesn't lie there and think, I know mommy and daddy are tired. So I'll just wait until a more convenient time to let them know that I need something to eat or my diaper needs to be changed. No, the baby try, the baby cries impatiently and continues to cry until it receives the attention that it demands. Right. It's not a part of our nature here. It's not natural to be impatient. Everybody here knows that right here. Older kids are the same way. They're not patient either. Listen to this story. Once a little four year old was traveling with his mother and constantly asked the same question over and over again. And he would ask, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? Finally, the mother got so annoyed, she said, look, we still have 90 more miles to go. So don't ask me again when we're going to get there, okay? Well, the boy sat silent for a while, but the longer time went on, the more impatient that he became. And finally, he timidly asked, mom, will I still be four when we get there? We're impatient. It's not natural for us. So the difficulty is, is we're going against the grain. We could say it that way, couldn't we? We're going against the grain. And we know, obviously, as grown-ups, we're impatient. There's something that has to be worked in our lives. That's why you all chuckled when I said, this is what we're going to talk about today. And some of you may have thought, man, I wish I'd stayed home today. I wish I'd turned this particular uh, telecast off today. I don't want to hear that, okay? Because we're going to get to the good part here in just a moment. But it's something I know that you maybe did not never thought of. So there's a second reason why developing patience is difficult. Because there are weeds of pride, selfishness, and anger that can choke out the fruit of patience or long-suffering. It can just choke it out. We're selfish. We obviously want what we want, and we want it now here. A couple of years ago, a survey revealed that 
we have become an impatient and oftentimes very angry nation. You see it at work, you see it at school, you see it on the highways. I heard somebody saying here recently that road rage and road rage shootings were at an all-time high. People are just impatient. If you stop, they think you should go, then obviously you may get, obviously you have to be really careful. Do not even look at them. Be very patient with them because people are really sitting right on the edge. And let me give you a story about that. Once a man's car stalled in heavy traffic just as the light turned green. And all his frantic efforts to get the car started failed. And a chorus of honking horns behind him made matters worse. He finally got out of his car and walked back to the first driver behind him and said, I'm sorry, but I can't seem to get my car started. If you'll go up there and give it a try, I'll stay here and honk your horn at you. Okay. Selfishness is there. Pride, anger is there. And it all fights against impatience, against patience, okay? Thirdly, here we see, to develop patience actually is contrary to our culture. We live in a rat, rat race. Other cultures are more laid back, aren't they? And they sit and they have rest time and, and they are not driving frantically through traffic, that uh, wall-to-wall traffic and so forth. And so obviously our culture does not help any in this particular matter. It actually goes against that. We are obviously a microwave society. You pop it in, you pop it out. I want it now, now. And obviously when we go to get something, and I want to encourage you, pray about it because sometimes we overspend because we want it now. Because something is enticing to us and we go out and we just get it and we go, oh man. And then we have buyer's remorse. We don't like it. We just going, well, I wish I thought about this or prayed about it and so forth. We just want it now and we want it now. But then you could say, yeah, but Jim, I'm a type A personality. I get things done. And so what happens is, is we run over everybody in the process. And so a type A personality is no excuse for being impatient here. If you're walking in the spirit, obviously, there will be this fruit that is obviously manifested, long suffering and patience. And so obviously, if all of you are sitting here today and saying, oh, my gosh, Jim is stepping on my toes then I want to tell you then what God is saying. This is something that I want to work in your heart by the power of my spirit. Pay attention. Listen. And obviously God can do great and mighty wonders. He would never tell us that this was something that he would desire to see in our lives if it was impossible. If it's something that really was way out there and it was beyond our reach. God always gives us the power to do it. And so let's consider the definition of long suffering. What is that? Or patience when you think about it. What exactly is it here? Obviously, I believe that you could say here it has to do with steadfastness of the soul under provocation. You're being provoked and it, you remain strong to be long suffering is to do what the word implies to suffer long. Perhaps the term long tempered in contrast, contrast to short tempered. You could look at it that way, because sometimes we think, gosh, that guy's got or that gal's got a short temper, you think. And, you know, sometimes, you know. I always think about it. You, this is for the men and the women, right? You know, you think, well, the, the lady folks, they are a lot more tempered than the men. And yes, I believe they are. There are some advantages with being female. But certainly, I don't know about you, but I've been out there. And some of the females that are driving now and the way they hawk at you and the gestures that they give you when they go by you are just as bad as the males, right? So it's, it, this actually is for all of us. All these things are out there. The reality of life 
is how we obviously respond to this. And we want this uh, long-suffering. We want patience to be worked in our hearts. And God can do that, you see. If you're quick-tempered, easily upset when something goes wrong, then you're not long-suffering. If you flare up in anger when someone treats you in a wrong way, then you're not patient. You're not long-suffering. If you have thoughts of revenge when somebody does you wrong, you're not demonstrating the quality of long-suffering. On the other hand, if you have self-restraint and don't retaliate against the wrong, you're exhibiting long-suffering. If you're able to accept delay or disappointment graciously, you're demonstrating the quality of long-suffering. If you can remain steadfast under strain and keep pressing on, then you're showing long-suffering. Think about it today. I don't know about you. The lines are getting longer and longer and longer. The highways are getting heavier and heavier and heavier. You look at it here. You know, when I leave, I'm going up, going north on uh, 45. During the summer, the traffic is backed up all the way to Bay Area, to uh, the, uh, the, the mall there at Almeda Genoa, at the Almeda Genoa Mall there. It's backed up. I mean, bumper to bumper. And they're going all the way to Galveston. And you, it takes a good little while from here to get to Galveston, right? And they're backed up. And I'm thinking, I am so glad I'm not in that line because I'm not, I know I'm not patient enough to be in that line, right? So don't put myself in that traffic because I'm not. I don't have that. I have to be careful about that. But when you respond in a way that's positive towards somebody that obviously has, has done you wrong, or maybe something that you feel like naturally you'd get angry about and you walk away, you obviously count the 10 before you respond, then obviously you're responding in a long-suffering way or patience, you see. That's what it's all about. And, and the church should be obviously modeling that or exemplifying that more than anybody. Christians should be. But I want to tell you today, it's just as easy for you and me without the Spirit's help and being drawn close to Jesus to exhibit impatience and obviously anger and frustration and retaliation, just like the world. I'm not exempt from that, and neither are you. And so we want to do that. We want to come to that place because there's certain, there's certain words in the Greek when you look at long-suffering, actually, is endurance or perseverance, actually, or continuance. They're in a trial that you're in. And the other Greek word here is for patience. And actually, he's talking about circumstances for the first Greek word. But the second Greek word, he's talking about patience. Patience with who? People. People. You go through a drive through and I don't know about you, but I could statistically tell you that probably 50% of the time, if I'm guesstimating here, of course, that when I leave and I get down the road and I check the bag of what they've given me, is completely the opposite of what I've asked for. Have y'all find that out? I go, okay. So when I look at, I get what I ordered, I actually thank, I thank the Lord. Now, these people are really nice. And you know, certain places will get it right a little bit more than others and so forth. But I'm going, I was real clear about what I wanted. How could they mess it up? You see, everything in life goes against the grain as far as working patience in our lives. People just push your buttons. And they obviously push you at the wrong place. And it's when you're tired, when you've had a stressful day, or maybe circumstances are overwhelming to you, that they just push your buttons, don't they? They do that, you see. So, what is a demonstration 
of long-suffering. When you look at it, you think about it today. Long-suffering is one of God the Father's key attributes in His relationship with mankind. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Psalm 86, 15. Be thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and graciousness and long-suffering and in mercy and in truth. 2 Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering or patient towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Isn't that good? Isn't that great that our Heavenly Father has patience with us? Anybody know that God has been patient with you? Can you just say thank you, Lord, right now? Say thank you for being patient with me. Thank you, Lord, for not obviously completely casting me away when I rejected you or when I stumble and fall, that you're patient with me, that you're continually that way. Because you see, that's about who a part, that's an attribute of God. That's something in who he was. And he wishes none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. He's waiting today. Why doesn't Jesus come back right now? I believe a lot. Most of the prophecies, if not all the prophecies, he could come back. And whether you're pre-trip or or uh, post-trib, whatever it may be. I believe it's because he wishes none to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. I believe that he's waiting on people to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful for that today because he didn't have to save me. He didn't have to save you. He didn't have to obviously give us eternal life. Jesus could have walked away from the cross. Trust me, he could have abandoned that. He says, I lay my life down voluntarily. No man takes my life. He gave himself freely. And he's obviously patient and he's kind. And he never changes with that. You know, you think, well, I'm saved and so forth. But God is still patient with me. I don't know about y'all. He's still patient with me. Every day he's patient. And that's something that I value and I'm thankful today. First Peter chapter two says, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him who judges righteously. That was Jesus in First Timothy chapter 1. Howbeit for this card I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. If God was longsuffering and God was patient, then don't we obviously want to be more like Jesus? Aren't we asking God to work that in our hearts? Second Timothy chapter 3 says this, But hast thou fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. He's talking about circumstances and people in there. The Apostle Paul obviously was uh, persecuted. He was stoned. I mean, people, you know, all these things happened to him. But yet, he wrote most of the New Testament. He gave us the word according to, obviously, God's perfect will in that. But we know that he gave us these things. But Paul could have walked away from that. You could walk away from your faith. I could walk away. I could say, no, I no longer want in any way to have anything to do with Jesus Christ here. You can do that. That's something. And we know the Holy Spirit has a way of of just really drawing you and disciplining you and doing different things. But I can say no to God. I can say no when God tells me to do something. He gives me a free choice. But you see, God is patient with me. And he's kind to me. He's he's full of mercy and grace. And he does that every day with each one of us. If you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, they were excellent illustrations there 
of long suffering. They did not. They did what God told them to do. I believe Jeremiah preached the word of God and nobody repented and he didn't turn away. I don't know that anybody did. I'm not theologically completely uh, certain of that, but I don't believe anybody turned. And he kept on doing what God told him, told him to do. And, you know, I was talking, thinking about it even in Sunday school this morning in regards to long suffering. When you go through hard times, which we do not obviously count on and we don't want and we don't ask for them. Right. But we do. But what happens in that long suffering? Has God left us? Has God abandoned and walked away from us? No, indeed, he has not. He is with us through the fire and through the storm. Through the flood, no matter what we go through in life, he is with us and he wants to get that down in our heart. And somehow he just kind of comes along and pounds it down in our heart continually. Say, remember this, continue to declare this, continue to confess this, because I want you to know with all your heart that I'm with you through this, through these terrible circumstances in life that we never counted on. But he will be there with us, you see, because that's who he is. He wants us to be like that also. Think about Job. Anybody say, you ever heard the old expression, man, you've got the patience of Job. <laughs> Job was obviously, he had all those sores on him, his family taken away. He had his, uh, his wealth, all of those riches. He had his animals taken away. Everything he had taken away and all. And, and yet he said no. But yet in the midst of that, what happened to Job's life? He said, basically, now I've heard about you, Lord, but now I know you. And that's the same purpose in our lives. I've heard about you. I've heard that old preacher preach this sermon over and over again. But I've heard about you. And now I know you. You see, we're here to know God. And God wants us to know him more than we would ever have any desire to know him. And what happens? How can that be? It's by long suffering. It's by hanging in there and persevering. Today, obviously, when the, the fire gets a little bit hot, what do we do? We take off. We bolt, you see. And a lot of times people jump from the frying pan into the fire, actually, don't they? They don't know. Because why? I've always said, obviously, you never fail a test that God gives you. You just take it over again. Okay? You just go over it again. Because he has persistence. God knows what he's doing in our lives. And yet he wants us to have long suffering and patience here. Let's consider the, obviously, the word is deprivation of long-suffering or the origin, the source here. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God working in our hearts on a regular basis. Colossians chapter 1 says, Strengthen with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Philippians 2.13 For it is God which works in you both the will and to do of His good pleasure. How exactly does the Holy Spirit develop long-suffering in our lives here? Well, you're not going to like it, but he does it through trials. He does it through trials. He uses the circumstances of life to develop patience in our lives. But you know, you say, but Jim, I've always said, do not pray for patience for me. Don't do that. You've ever heard anybody say that? Don't ask for patience. But you see, the truth of the matter is, is God's going to work patience in your life whether or not you pray for it or not, right? Because God has a way of doing that in our life. No matter what comes our way, patience is a part of that whole scenario in Romans chapter 5. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. What is he saying? 
He said, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations works patience. <laughs> oh, did Paul know what he was talking about? Or he's some kind of lunatic? Yeah, he was fanatic for Jesus, right? That's where we should be also. But he knew that it worked patience in our lives. But I don't like it. But you don't have to like it. God didn't say that obviously it was going to be obviously a rose garden. He didn't say that everything would go along perfectly. He said, in this world, you're going to have trials. You're going to have challenges. But yet, he said, what did Jesus say? But be hopeful be that I've overcome the world. I've overcome it. And when I, we are in him and he is in us, then we also can overcome it. But it'll work long-suffering and patience in our lives in the, in the meantime. I remember here a young father who came to a pastor and said, Pastor, I need God's help to be patient with my wife, with my kids, and with the people at work. Could you pray for me? The pastor says, sure, brother, let's pray now. And they knelt down on their knees, and the preacher started praying, Dear Lord, please bring many difficult situations and trials and sufferings and tribulations into this man's life. And the young man interrupted him and said, Stop! You know, I want patience, not stress. And the pastor took him over verses that we just showed you here. He wants patience. They're going to be developed in our life, you know. And you say, Jim, this man, this is a hard word today. I like the, the good words. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me. So I love those too. OK, but it's a part of the Christian life. You see, yes, God blesses. And yes, he will bless us through the trials. But there will be tribulations. There will be challenges and a lot of people will challenge you. How about I know each of you when I said that. Did you ever think of a particular person just kind of pushes your button? I mean, they just rub you the wrong way. They just say something. And man, the hair on the back of your neck just stands up. It's like, I don't want to hear that. It's like, obviously, fingers on a chalkboard. Okay? Don't say that. Okay? Somebody just rubs you the wrong way. Or they say something that obviously doesn't necessarily gel with the way maybe you think about this and that. And you're going, oh, my land. I, I got to get out of here. Now, I'm not saying stay in the presence of negativity and those types of things but i'm saying god's gonna work patience in our lives with people he puts us together and that doesn't obviously exclude the church house he puts us together in the church house together doesn't he god obviously gonna allow trials in our lives to develop that patience he knows what he's doing so let's look here at the the d word again development of long suffering how is it here how do we cultivate love how do we foster joy we talked about it how do we develop peace? And how do we promote patience? Real simply, we abide in Christ. John chapter 15 speaks of it. I am the vine, Jesus is speaking. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. How do you abide? You ever heard that? John chapter 15. You abide in Christ. Well, how's that at work? You've got to know the word. Get into the word. God will speak through the word. The problem is we don't know the word. The problem is that we don't pray. Why? Because we're too busy. The problem is we don't get along to be with the Lord. Why? It's because there's so much noise and chatter going around us is that we don't just stop for just a moment. You know, there's a solitude is an old Christian uh, 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 way of doing things. Just solitude, getting alone with the Lord, just sitting quietly for a few moments without the radio, without the TV, without the kids, without noise around us, the clutter, just sitting for a moment. And reflecting upon who God is. You can journal during that time, certainly. Write down what maybe is on your heart. You go back and read it again. You'll go, did I write that? 
It's because those things flow from your heart when you take time to journal and write them down. You stop long enough that things come out that you didn't even know were there. God wants to show you and He wants to work in our lives. Abide in Christ. He will obviously do this if you just say, Lord, I don't know how to do that, but I want to do it. I'll start by, obviously, maybe reading a devotional, sitting quietly before you. I'll sit by starting the day with prayer, covering my family, and praying for each one, praying for the church members here that we just mentioned that need healing, people that need restoration. We just do that here, you see. Because, you know, that fast food restaurant that says you deserve a break today, come on. Let's see how fast you can take a break today and then get back out on the road again. Isn't that what you say? You need a break. Yeah, we need a break. But it's a break, obviously, where we can obviously be refreshed in our souls. I mentioned in other countries, they do that. They have time because they're not in a rat race. But anytime you're in a rat race, then obviously that you don't have time to really kind of like get filled up again, do you? You empty out. And you're empty and you wonder why are we so tired and why are we just out of gas all the time? It's because we have not gotten refreshed in the presence of the Lord. We come here, obviously, and I want to tell you today, the Sabbath is a day of rest here. We know the old Sabbath there on Saturday, people rested, but you take a day, whatever day. Certainly, some people say, well, Sunday's my day of rest and so forth, but take a day and don't do anything. Just sit. Don't just turn on the TV and say, well, this is my day to catch up on my TV shows. I'm talking about reflect upon who God is. Maybe journal. Maybe pray a little bit more than what you do. But take a day and just reflect upon who God is. You need Sabbath rest. That's what God says. We need a day of Sabbath rest. And we don't take it. Because we're obviously the pedal to the metal 24-7. We don't sleep good at night. We're geared up. We're obviously having ulcers. We're having anxiety attacks. We're having worry sessions because we're worried about this and we're worried about that. And we have not sat in the presence of the Lord. Just get alone. Get alone with Him and allow Him to bathe you in His presence. You can stop for a minute and just talk to, talk to Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to touch you, to speak to you, to come impart that to you and sit and wait upon Him. He takes time. He won't intrude on you if you're saying, I'm going to jump up this next minute and I'm out of here because I've got something to do. Anybody know that when you start, stop like that, everything begins to come to your mind of what you've got to do? Anybody ever experienced that? I have. The phone rings. Well, that may be somebody from the church. I need to answer that right away. Or that may be somebody calling. That may be an emergency and so forth. Have you ever just turned that that phone off? What did we do before we had all these phones all over the place? Right? Nobody here under, remembers when we had the party line. Though. I know you're not old enough. You're not as old as I am. Okay? But I remember the party lines. You picked up and somebody's talking. I'm on his, his, this line, please. Would you hang up, please? You hang up, you know. So you didn't have that particular thing that got your attention continually. Patience has got to be worked in your heart. It's got to be something supernatural has got to happen in your life. And you won't, it won't happen without the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I've talked to you <clears throat> about that. Walking in the Spirit. Converse with the Holy Spirit. He's here. Talk to Him. You know, I've arrived sometimes 
you know, have time gaps in there. And I tell the Holy Spirit, well, I didn't talk to you then, but I'm not giving up. That's perseverance that builds character, that builds hope. So the Holy Spirit is there with you to help you and to be able to give you the rest that you need. Just worship the Lord. Put on uh, at night sometimes before I go to bed. I'll turn the uh, music on. I'll turn my my cell phone on and put some uh, music. I love to sing some of the songs I sing. And just worship the Lord. I just worship, just sing Him. Sing to Him. And you think, well, there's nobody around you. Yeah, He's there. He loves that. And it's a time for me to reflect upon the day. When I stop for a moment and I, I reflect upon those things, some things come to my mind, trust me, that I know that I need to ask forgiveness for, that I need to repent of. They'll come to your mind. You begin to worship. When you get in the presence of the Lord like that, in that manifest presence of the Lord, God begins to reveal things in your heart that you never thought were there. He begins to deal with you in the depths of who you are. And he wants you to be clean. He wants you to know he's not condemning you. He's just wanting to set us free. We got so much stuff we're entangled with. Paul says, obviously, to cast off those, the sin that so easily entangles us and run the race that's set before us. That's what he says. I get busy, folks. And obviously, I need to, uh, I need to slow down. You do, too. It was going to get done. You ever think about when I was working and all, I said, well, I got to get this done because obviously I have to do it tomorrow and so forth. You ever thought about it? And you know, when I finally left the work that I was that I left and I loved it and and God used it in a powerful way in ministry, obviously. But probably if I went back in there today and and I said, do y'all anybody remember Jim Barcliffe? Probably nobody would remember me. Okay, yeah, you did what you're doing, but you need to obviously realize. That you can't do it all. There are people who are workaholics now. They work and work and work and neglect their family. They do things like that and neglect that. And I know, obviously, when I was going through ministry, I had to be careful with that. And times I neglected what I knew that was right. There has to be a priority. And it has to be set aside to, to, to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Warren Wiersbe was a powerful theologian, Bible teacher. He tells about the time he picked up a hitchhiker who was a hippie. As they were riding along, they came to a detour that took them off the main road and onto a twisting, hilly farm to market road. Wearsby said, I was soon fretting out loud, anxious because we were wasting so much time and complaining about the chuck holes so much time and complaining about everything that was going on and, and the road that we were forced to use. And finally, the hitchhiker leaned over and said, Hey, man, don't sweat the small stuff. That's a good lesson. Don't sweat the small stuff. We talked about peace last week and we talked about worry and we talked about just a small fraction of those things that are set before us that we think about that we can't do anything about. They're small number. The rest of it never had any effect and never came to pass. But we worry about them because obviously we're not trusting in the Lord and we don't have that patience and that won't ever be developed in our lives until we obviously go through some trials, you see. So what do we do when the big things come along? Maybe a serious illness or lose your job or uh, children disappoint you. Or obviously, what do you do here? Here, you need to be able to have the, know the Lord's going to help us. He will help us. 
and he will be with us. Remember what happened there in the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter, where Moses had led the, led the children of Israel out of, the, out of captivity, out of Egypt, and they came up against the Red Sea, remember? And so they had their backs up against, they had the Red Sea in front of them, and they had the Egyptians with their chariots behind them wanting to kill every one of them. Remember what happened there? What do you think? Obviously, the situation was like, you know? Moses, obviously, uh, the people began to grumble. And they said, Moses, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? We got to come out here in the desert and die, basically. He says, and in verse 13, listen to what he says. He's, Moses speaks, and he says, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he'll show to you this day. For the Egyptians, whom you have seen today, You'll see them again no more ever. You will not see them again. That's what God says to us. Be still and know. Because he says these things, don't don't sweat this. Even the big stuff. God can handle it if we allow him. But if we worry ourselves to death and we come impatient and we begin to jump out in front of what God is doing, then sometimes we obviously mess things up, don't we? We move out before God tells us to move out. And we know that that will mess everything up. We've got to be still. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And what does that mean in the word Hebrew, be still? It actually means a position where a soldier actually put his hands down like this and relaxed. Be still. This word today is for you and for me. And the only way that this can get down in our hearts is to ask the Lord, work this in my heart, Lord. Jim's speaking today, and you're speaking. And I want to be patient. I want to obviously be still. I want not to worry about these things like I have. I don't want to fret with these things because like Happy said, don't, don't sweat the small stuff, partner. Don't sweat it. Stay the course and trust the Lord is going to bring you through. Hold your peace and be still. Be still. And know that I am God. It's very important. Isaiah chapter 40. But they that wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Those who wait upon the Lord. I had made a change in vocation. I was obviously my testimony is I was in manufacturing. I have a business management degree also with seminary degree. And I was going up the corporate ladder. Okay. I was over a plant in Pearland. And, uh, I had one in Tennessee. I was a manager there in uh, Chattanooga. And I was moving on up. Okay. And God began to do things in my life and change my heart. And I felt a call to go in ministry. And so I yielded and gave my heart to Jesus, walked down the aisle of a Baptist church in Pearland told the pastor that that night I said I God's calling me and I don't know what it means and I don't know where I'm what, where it's going to go but I give my heart to Jesus totally because I want to do his will more than anything else in my life and I gave it to him and I gave it to him and do you think after that hey everything was just man hunky-dory no I would sit in my house over there uh in uh over there in, in Pearland, I'd sit there because I didn't know what to do. I said, I don't have any idea. Do I go to seminary? Do I do this? I do that? I don't have any, have any idea. And I prayed and I prayed and nothing was happening. It looked like my prayers were hitting a brass uh, 
ceiling and they were bouncing back down to me. I just said, Lord, are you hear me? You call me. I believe you call me. But have you did you really call me? Is there really a call in here? Did I mess up? Is something wrong here, Lord? And I said, and I said, one day it go on. Cindy kept teaching there in Pearland. I go on. And here I am, the man, the breadwinner. I have a just a conviction of that, obviously, uh, and so forth. Can't do anything. Couldn't do anything. And so I went into the scripture, and one of them was this Isaiah 40. Those who wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. And I knew theologically, I started learning, I started looking, what does that mean, waiting on the Lord? And so what I did, I went out and I bought a particular book about waiting on the Lord. Okay? And that waiting on the Lord, obviously, was not necessarily the most encouraging book that I ever read. Because the reality is, is that you may have to wait upon the Lord. Why does he do that? Because he's building patience in our lives. And it's hard, isn't it? Because he doesn't always respond the way that we think he should. And and certainly as quickly as what we think he should. But I want to encourage you something today. We're living in possibly a generation that maybe, you know, we flip here and we flip there because we have we live in a fast paced world. If you wait upon the Lord after you've prayed and listen to him and in due season, he will come through for you. Now, I don't know what he'll do. He doesn't mean that that he'll do what you exactly what you want to do, but he will respond if you wait. Wait upon the Lord. In hospice, I would visit with people and a lot of them had hurt, had pain that was unbearable for long periods of time. Some people before they died, cancer is obviously sometimes painful and different illnesses. We know that. Uh, And I talked to them and they go, why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't he go ahead and call me home or else heal me or take this off of me? I can't take it. And I go, you know why? And I, I didn't. I wasn't arrogant about it. I was very sensitive in the way I worded it. But I said, you know what's happening in all of our lives is we're waiting on the Lord. How many of you here today know you're waiting on the Lord? You're waiting on the Lord today. You know, we're not inactive in that waiting upon the Lord. We're actively doing what he's called us to do. But we're all waiting on the Lord. That's for sure. And in that waiting upon him, no matter what happens in our lives, we know that as God's children... That he loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if he did that, if God did that, then how much more, according to Romans chapter 8, will he give us all things along with him? We wait and have patience, but we're not. It's not something that comes automatically, does it? But when the trials come, maybe God will remind us, hang in there, persevere. Do not give up on God. Don't give up on your situation. You keep on. If God begins to divert you off of that, then certainly go with the way His Spirit tells you. But if you don't, don't give up. Because we sometimes, we jump before, obviously, then we know God's finished His work in our heart. He's teaching us perseverance. He's teaching us long-suffering. He's teaching us patience, right? He puts us in people's lives to develop patience with us. I know no one in here is impatient with anybody else in your life. I know that, but I am. Okay, I always preach to myself. 
But if you wait and trust the Lord, pray, get close, abide in him. Talk to him, seek him. Want to know him, put him first, just say, Lord, you know, there are other things that kind of just push you out. I don't want that anymore. Come and be first place in my life. I want you, Lord. I don't want all this other stuff. It doesn't satisfy anyway. It's just a stinky mess, isn't it? I just want you, Lord. And I'll not obviously turn away. That's who our Lord is. Bide in the vine and allow the Spirit to develop and us the quality of long-suffering. And He develops love and joy and peace and kindness and meekness and, and all the other faithfulness and so forth. He'll do that if you wait. Trust Him. He has a plan. You know what? Sometimes you think, I've heard you say that, Jim, over and over and over again. He has a plan for you. And here I am at the age I am. You know? Do you, don't you know we're God's kids? We're just His kids. Isn't that great? We're God's kids. He's our Father. He's Daddy God. Amen? He's Daddy. He's our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. He's our Father. He's here. He with, he's with us. We just crawl up in His lap and we look at Him. And we sit there and wait. And say, Father, Abba, Father, Daddy God, I love you and I want to know you. Work this in my heart. I know it's painful at times, but I know you'll give me the grace to be able to go through it. You'll give me that strength to do what you call me to do. That's who our God is. Isn't that true? So you want patience? You say, well, I know for sure when you leave this place today, I'm not going to ask or pray for patience because Jim's already talked about it, okay? No. You know it's going to happen whether or not we ask for it or not. And he's going to do it because he loves us. We're his, we're his kids. And he just loves his kids. Amen? Amen. Thank you. In just a moment uh, after I pray, we're going to hear a song. We've heard it before, but I want to just listen. I just thought I'd share it again. And so we'll pray today. If there's a need, get in hold of us. We're Lighthouse Fellowship over here on League City, Texas. And uh, we want you to know that we love you and that God loves you, and that we'll pray that God would pour His Spirit out upon you, upon this nation, upon the body of Christ, and we uh, truly know there'll be great things in store for you. No matter what you're going through, our God is a God who is for us and not against us. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this day, and thank You for the privilege that we can come together and seek You and know You. And Father, today we sometimes say, boy, it's a hard word. How do we build patience and long-suffering? And sometimes the difficulties and the trials we go through. But Father, today we ask you, you can handle them and we give them to you. I pray today there be anyone in this uh, congregation or anyone watching this that never really asked Jesus into their lives. Today would be the day. If there's a particular need, today would be the day that they say, Lord, come and touch me. I need healing. I need you. And I'll not turn away. I will continue to seek you. And Father, today I pray that people all over this country would encounter you. That they would know you. And their hearts would be changed. And I pray that for this church as well as all the body of Christ. Father, touch us. Speak to us. And we ask you to go with us this week. We know you will. But Father, may we be aware of that. May we give you praise forevermore. And we pray all these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Join us next week. Again, we'll have some friends in from Quito, Ecuador, friends of mine, and I'd love for you to uh, meet, meet y'all and for, them to, for you to meet them as they share the word, what's happening in South America. And uh, we 
We look forward to being able to share with you next week too. Have a blessed week and go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.